It is Mackling and McGarry. Loren McNabb is off today. Tyson Rewicki in master control for Jeff Fortier, who's off this week. And uh, Monday. How you I, feeling, Brett? <laughs> I hate getting old. I hate getting Apparently bowling. <laughs> we were talking last week about going tobogganing and how yeah. I'd like to go tobogganing. And everybody was saying, cautioning, hey. <laughs> it's fun when you're a kid, mm-hmm. and it's fun as an adult, but you will be sore. So what's the latest thing to remind you that you're that you're getting older? Well, I didn't go tobogganing, but I <laughs> went five-pin bowling, and apparently that's enough to essentially bring me to my knees. Everything hurts today. I went Saturday. I walked to the bowling alley. We went to Polo Park Bowling, which, by the way, I haven't been there since I was a kid. I can't believe, A, that it's still there, and B, how nice it is. Great spot. Yeah, awesome bowling alley uh, in the basement of the mall. But um, I walked from Osborne Village to uh, the bowling alley because it was a gorgeous day, and I thought, oh, I'll just get some exercise. So the the walk there, and then the act of five-pin bowling for two hours, <laughs> and my, I wa- my legs hurt so much right now, it's ridiculous. I can barely even, and my butt hurts. From bending over, and um, I can even, oh, I just tried to cross my leg. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not taking pleasure in this in any way, shape, or form, but I can remember talking to my grandmother years ago uh, when I was dealing with some back issues after um, my, my car accident, and I was frustrated because five-pin bowling was strenuous for me. It was difficult for me. In fact, I couldn't really do it. I do uh, one game, and that would be enough for me. And I remember saying to my grandma, "If there's one thing any old man should be able to do, that's to help his friends move and go bowling." <laughs> and I can't do either. So you've you've done the bowling part. Now uh, you need to find a friend that you can help move and and really test that oh, test that uh, flexibility and and your and how old is your body concept. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's been a while. Since I've done it, so it's it's the the un, unusual movement. I have the last time I went bowling, I think would have been New Year's Eve 2019. So it's just been a while since I've done that. But yeah, <laughs> I can't believe do? I can't believe how sore I am. Ah, uh, not great. I think my best score was 137. Uh, the, the the best score in our group was I think 160. So we did not put on a clinic of bowling superiority. I got one strike in three games. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. So no turkeys. There were no turkeys uh, thrown on Saturday. Three strikes in a row. Oh, okay. A turkey. I was trying to remember what that. No, no, no there were no. There no were no three strikes well, in a row. Well, I know who you're go- bowling with. There were a few turkeys there. <laughs> okay, yeah, <For> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we bowled like a bunch of turkeys. Uh, so it's super fun. I'm grumpy though because I'm sore. And uh, yeah, but. I'm imagining you are not grumpy given the way the Winnipeg Jets are playing. I'm on my favorite website right now, NHL.com. Yeah. <laughs> and the standings are looking pretty, pretty, pretty good for the Winnipeg Jets. They are now all alone in first place in the Central Division, all alone in first place in the Western Conference, following a win last night at home against the the Coyotes, which was not textbook, was not pretty in any way, shape, or form, but that came on the heels of one of the best games the Jets have played all season. And I've said that four or five times now this year as the Jets do what they're doing. That 4-1 win in Pittsburgh on Friday night was 
absolutely textbook as to how the Jets are capable of playing, how they'll need to play. And Kevin Bieksa on Hockey Night in Canada on Friday night, that special edition of Hockey Night on Friday, said that that's the style of hockey that wins a lot of playoff games. Yeah. And so the Winnipeg Jets now obviously in a conversation about not only making the playoffs, but how far are they capable of going in the playoffs? We're into the back half of the season now. We're January. We're halfway through January and and heading towards the NHL All-Star game and Jets are looking fantastic. They look like they're putting all the pieces together. One of the questions is will they add more pieces, one or two pieces uh, in the uh, upcoming uh, trade deadline. So lots to converse about and to discuss with the Winnipeg Jets. Jim Toth will will join us later on this morning. We'll recap the weekend. We'll look ahead a little bit. Not only NHL, NFL playoffs, super wildcard weekend as they were marketing it. Really did not disappoint. And uh, one of the top players in the Canadian Football League is making the jump to the NFL. So lots to discuss this morning on on the sports front. Yeah, Tough break for Minnesota Vikings fans, I'm sure. Yeah, thousands of those in Manitoba. They showed Bug Grant uh, last night during the broadcast. Of course, the legendary head coach of the Blue Bombers who went on to coach and and take the Vikings to to four Super Bowl appearances in his day was at the game last night. Uh, You know, poor Bud Grant. (laughs) The Vikings have not been back to the Super Bowl since he took them way back in the I guess it's the 70s now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, I feel bad for Vikings fans this morning, for sure. Okay, so lots of sports to discuss this morning. We'll have the sounds of the Jets game, by the way, coming up just after 6.40. We usually do it uh, just after 6.15, but we're going to do it after 6.40 today. And then we'll have our Monday Jets commentary at 7.55. And at 6.35, we this, this story is from Friday. A buddy of mine first alerted this me to this Uh, late Friday morning, but uh, we wanted to share with you because it's something you might have missed over the weekend, but it has to do with time theft. There's a woman in BC who got let go. She was working from home and uh, she got let go. So she takes legal action against the company and (laughs) she she got ruled against. So she took the company to court and now she has to pay for time theft. Completely backfired. On this individual, and I think it's a cautionary tale as to how many hours, you know, I I think we all believe that we're putting in a good day's and an honest day's work, and most of us are, Yeah. but I think this is a cautionary tale as to you might not be working as hard or as much as you think. Yeah, and I know, and even in this building, I'm not going to point any fingers, but I know of some people who... When they were when they got sent home to work from home, totally abused it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> whatever. If you guys, as long as you get your job done, I guess it doesn't matter. We want to share this story with you. I first learned about this on Friday. Maybe you missed it over the weekend. This is a this is a weird story. It involves a BC woman who launched legal action against her former employer. Well, she's now facing a big bill after tracking software showed she misrepresented her billing in what's being called an example of time theft. Global's Catherine Urquhart reports. Countless Canadians are now working from home. And while those of us doing so may think we're escaping the boss's watchful eyes, think again. 
tracking software may be monitoring your every keystroke. And if you're cheating, it could cost you. There's different levels. There's ones that can see exactly from a screenshot perspective. And there's other ones that basically just kind of log what programs that you're using throughout the day. Tracking software called TimeCamp formed evidence in a recent ruling by the Civil Resolution Tribunal. It determined a BC accountant must pay her former employer $2,600 after software showed she engaged in time theft. In over 20 years of practice, I have never seen it. Is the employer actually claiming um, as part of a counterclaim for time theft and being awarded an actual damage award for time theft, as was the case in this decision. Some cheaters may try to get around tracking software, which sometimes is possible. If the employee wants to be dishonest, there are ways to kind of get around it. Uh, if it's kind of just a really basic monitoring, just doing the keyboard strokes uh, and, and mouse movements. For those employees who are truthful but still concerned, this ruling is not about having a lazy day once in a while, say legal experts. She was actually billing time that she didn't work. So that has a dishonesty component. The message, if you're honest and doing the best you can, you shouldn't be worried, even if your employer is tracking your work. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Yeah, these tracking softwares, as you heard in the story, some of them are very sophisticated. Some of them are very basic. And sometimes, you know, I know people who just, oh, I got to keep my mouse moving while I'm sitting here talking to you or while you're on the phone with them or, or what have you. But there's no, you know, you're not working. You're not pedal to the metal eight hours of your working day. You get up, you go to the washroom, you go to the water cooler, you, you, you brainstorm, you visit, you know, you do certain things that are not work related. I think everybody does it. But to imagine that you'd flip it on its ear like this and go, yeah, I'm going to bill you for time that I know I didn't actually work. That's just, that's theft. That is outright sinister actions in order to just, uh, you know, bilk your employer or whoever you're doing work for out of money. That, that's way different than just going through your normal work day and things happen as they do. You can read more on this at globalnews.ca and coming up a bit later this morning, I think we're going to talk about how some firms on the subject of time, some firms are offering unlimited time off for employees. Will that work? But if you have some experience and you want to share as it pertains to, you know, people working from home and maybe some of your colleagues are stealing time or maybe you've been accused of doing the same, I don't know, shoot us a text at 204-780-6868. The other co-host of Jets at Noon, Cameron Poitras, is in studio with us alongside producer... Tyson in for Jeff Forte and Jeff Braun is in the news booth and we always gather at this time to talk about something fun and Greg over the weekend uh, I said what'd you do this weekend he said played chauffeur for the boys like, all right <laughs> that's not atypical or you know but uh, Saturday nights or afternoon into the evening was was pretty comical because uh, one of my boys went went bowling yeah. like you did, which is why I couldn't join you because I was on duty. And as my buddy says, I should have had my car wrapped in yellow 
instead of uh, getting a silver vehicle, <laughs> she just got it wrapped in yellow with all the driving that I'm doing. Yeah. And so um, dropped uh, one of the boys off uh, at bowling and then uh, wanted to make sure that he was having a good time. And then, of course, the inevitable, when am I picking you up? So it goes something like this. So what's the plan? This is me now. When do you want me to get you? And then he's very polite. He says, whatever works for you, Dad, as long as I can spend some, some time with, with my girlfriend. Of course, what would be good? What would you say is fair, he says. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just give me a time, please. He says, 7.30-ish. I go, perfect. And then comes this instruction. Don't be early. <laughs> Back half of the 30, he says. <laughs> And I'm like, do you work in radio? Because it sounds exactly like something that we might say internal, internally. The back half of the 30. <laughs> so I feel like I got to Google this on Urban Dictionary or something. Is this popular so, slang? Like, or? like 37, 35? Is that what he's saying? Or like, what does that mean? Just the that, 30? Like 38? 738? Just that- as long as I'm not early. Because okay. I'm notoriously early. Ah. Okay. Oh, okay. So, uh, he, and, you know, he calls me on it, right? That uh, if I'm picking him up and I'm not there on time, he's like, Dad, if you're not five minutes early, what are you? Ten minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he calls me on it. So anyway, it was an interesting exercise to nail down the time. And it got us thinking about the different times that maybe we'd, we'd ask for a ride or, or given one, right? Okay. So we want you to text us a story of either being the chauffeur or perhaps requiring the services of a chauffeur in your life. Jeff Braun, let's start with you. I love uh, driving the kids around and doing stuff like that. And I don't, I like uh, driving a friend to the airport, that sort of thing too. The worst one ever though was when a buddy and I went to Maui for another friend's wedding 15 years ago. And, you know, on our way back, we checked out of the hotel at 10 in the morning or whenever they make you do it. We kind of bummed around on the beach all day and our flight left Maui at 11 o'clock at night. For Vancouver, and I can't sleep on plane, so I was up all night watching movies on the plane. We get to Vancouver, we change planes, we get to Winnipeg, we get in a cab, we take the cab to my house. I lived in the Grant Park area, and my buddy lived in St. Norbert, and he said, I don't want to pay for a cab to St. Norbert, will you give me a ride? (laughs) And at this point, I've been up for about 30 hours, and it's 3 in the afternoon the next day, and it's rush hour, and we had to drive the length of Pemina Highway south on, during rush hour. And the <laughs> worst part was, after I dropped him off, he just went to bed, and I still had to drive all the way back to Grand Park. It was like 5.30 or something by the time I finally got to go to bed. And I was just, I, I was out of sorts for days after that. It was just insane. I, I, I'm still mad that he made me drive him all the way. <laughs> Sorry, how long ago was this? Ah, it was 2008 because I watched The Dark Knight on the plane, even though it came out on DVD the next day. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. It was one of like, the five times that you watched that yeah. movie, uh, at least in the first uh, few weeks. Pontius, what about you? Uh, Thursday, when I was in high school, Thursdays used to be our, uh, I guess, our cruise night. Uh, get me and the buddies in the car, and uh, we, we, Shane and I, my brother, we had, we were the first of our friends to get um, driver's licenses, and so we had, we had our, we had our green caravan, nineteen ninety seven Dodge Caravan, the green B, um, <laughs> and we would drive that thing around, and you know, we, we had such great memories, especially with my buddy Chris Grabsky. We would, we would drive around. And there was one time on the side of the road, somebody was like just handing a, handing out pumpkins, and this guy he, uh, just like, "You guys want these pumpkins?" 
And I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll take these pumpkins. And so what we did was and we went around town that entire day handing out pumpkins. We went over to our friends' houses. We didn't tell them. We would just leave a pumpkin. It was like 20 pumpkins. And uh, we just <laughs> give, give them away. And we just left them on friends. Uh, on their, on, we just drove around, left them on their stoop. We, there was a guy on the side of the road, and, and he's like, hey, man, you want this pumpkin? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll take this pumpkin. So I don't know. Like we just That was a weird night. We just handed out pumpkins to everybody. Um, yeah, so I I don't even know what we, I, I don't even really remember the entire situation, but I remember all the driving around is with pumpkins. It was so weird. <laughs> that's that's a neat story. Yeah. Um, Tyson in Master Control. Well, this past December, me and my buddies had to, we went out for a couple drinks and our DD. He's just like, I had too many drinks. I can't drive you guys home. And we're like, oh, great. Like, well, another one. So we decided to do Operation Red Nose. And one of my buddies, had he didn't really understand the, the concept of it. So right before we got picked up, he says to us, so where's he going to sleep? We're like, where's, where's who going to sleep? And he thought that the Operation Red Nose driver, in turn for driving you, got to stay <laughs> over the night. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so we're like, yeah, that would be an interesting service to <laughs> provide someone. <laughs> That's exactly. a whole they're other like, service. They're not, they're not sleeping here with us. Like They're going to go home after. And he's like, well, how do they get home? And he was just so confused that there was another car that tailed you and then picked up the driver that drove you. So He was uh, thinking of Operation Bednose. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Oh, that's terrific. I, um... Countless stories of my dad being my chauffeur, Smash Gordon. He always used to say, call me anytime. Doesn't matter how late it is. If you need a ride, you call me. And, uh, you know, I lived at home until I was 28 years old, I think. So there was one day I was in my mid, I was probably 25 at this point, And I had been out, uh, just my friend Danny and I lit one up and uh, we lit up the night and Osborne Village tied one on, and at the end of the night, after we ate our like late Subway sandwich at two thirty in the morning, oh, it was one of those nights. Yeah, yeah, I needed we needed food at the end of that night, and um, he went home, and I needed to get home, and I had no money left to get a cab or anything, and the buses had stopped running, so it's two thirty in the morning. And I'm standing at the, didn't even have a cell phone. I'm at the payphone at River and Osborne. <laughs> and I called my dad for a ride. And he came and got me. <laughs> that, that's what dads do. That's that's the bargain. That's what we say. We always say, we don't want you to, you know, drive when you've had too much to drink. I'll come and pick you up any time. And so many parents do that. Kudos. Yeah. So, dad, if you're listening, thank you for your chauffeur service over the years. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, he's still occasionally, if I need a ride, like if my car's in the shop or something, I'll call Smash Gordon Taxi That's Service. Awesome. That's fabulous. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to continue the Global News series Out of Pocket, which we began last week looking at the rising cost of everything and how it is affecting Canadians, Canadian families, Canadian businesses. Uh, but at 7.35 today, we're going to talk about the rising cost of food and dining out. 
Restaurants are busy, but how expensive have they become? I was shocked at how much money I had to pay for just a chicken sandwich on Saturday night. Uh, so we'll get into that at 7.35. And then we'll talk more hockey. We've got at 7.55 the Monday Jets commentary with Cam Poitras and Jim Toth then joins us at 8.35. So both hosts of Jets at Noon touching base on the start. Now we've been talking this morning about the unusually mild weather that we've been experiencing. And we're wondering... What the heck is going on, and how long is this going to go? Well, who else uh, would we reach out to to have this discussion than David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada. David, Happy New Year, and good morning to you. Well, thank you guys so much. Nice to be with you. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've sort of forgotten about Winnipeg in the last couple of months. I mean, I was so focused on that uh, wettest year on record, counting all the snowflakes and the raindrops. And finally, we did set a record uh, in, in October. And then, my gosh, I mean, you went from one extreme to the other. You haven't had very much precipitation at all since then. And um, and Loren pointed out to me uh, recently that, wow, you've really been, this is one of the driest periods you've ever had. And when I looked up the numbers, guys, uh, she's right. I mean, this has really been an absence of, of any kind of, uh, of precipitation that's uh, that falling from the from the sky. But but what's sort of interesting, you know, I looked at the numbers and, you know, you've had snow on the ground since the middle of November. I mean, it's not been increasing too much. It's been about, I would say, 13, 14, 15, 16 centimeters generally. Stick a ruler in there. But, hey, the roads are pretty dry and, and brown and, and, and what have you. So uh, there's not really been a lot of, uh, a lot of precipitation. In fact, I, I looked at in terms of, uh, of January, and, and my gosh, there's less than a thimble full of anything. But what's sort of fascinating to me is that the air is moist. And it tells you that, you know, I mean, clearly it has been mild. I mean, you've only had one day in the last three weeks where temperatures have been below minus 20. You normally would have had 12 of those suckers if it had been just normal. But you know what you see in the, in the forecast, you see in the, in the, the weather reports, the weather uh, observations, things like cloud, fog, uh, a mist, freezing fog, blowing snow, not new snow, just old snow that's been blowing around, snow showers, snow grains, ice crystals. My gosh, the, the air is just so moist, so there hasn't been a lot of Alberta clippers or Colorado lows. They've all been sort of redirected away from, uh, 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 from, from Winnipeg. But um, it really, and the hoarfrost, oh my gosh, the cities never look more beautiful at times this, uh, this winter because of the fact that the air is moist there's there's and then it it, it does it's you know it can be cold you even had a january thaw yet but still the temperatures have been um uh, really um uh, above normal i look at the total number you stick a thermometer into to winnipeg temperatures are about four degrees warmer than they should be at this time of the year so it's quite remarkable and, and quite a shock to to some of the or surprise and contrast to some of the other uh, uh, your sister cities in uh, in on the prairies, Edmonton uh, had been about five, five or six degrees colder than uh, than normal. But you guys, uh, when you average November, December, January, it's been milder than normal. David, we're going to pay for this at some point. At least oh, that's listen, that's the mindset right. here. <laughs> you're, you know, you know, we are now at this is a magical week for me, uh, for you guys too. It's it's uh, or la- late last week, this week. It's the dead of winter. This is typically, guys, when you get your coldest moment of the winter. Now it's statistical. If you average all of the temperatures for a year round, then the bottom of the barrel, this is the point that um, you really truly reach 
where you, on average, is the coldest moment. But so this is what I call the dead of winter. So there's more winter behind you than ahead of you. But, you know, you're so right. You know, <laughs> sometimes you're going to pay for it. And we do, do see some cold weather coming. I mean, my gosh, just look over Siberia there, and it's brutally cold. We have a lot of Pacific air, so that's kept the Arctic air away from us, you say. So this week looks pretty good. Temperatures that are going to be 4 to 7 degrees warmer than normal. But we see the cold coming next week. But, you know, the days are getting longer. I can deal with the cold when you've got more hours of sunshine. Now, you don't get a lot of calories of heat, but we're, we're, by next week, we'll be going at about three minutes a day uh, in terms of the, the day length. So I think things are looking up. But And, you know, you're right. I mean, the second half of winter could be worse than the first half. And our models are showing kind of cooler than normal over the next month. But we see the picture is in terms of February, more. We see it kind of near normal. So I think maybe the the warmth in, in sort of uh, is not over, but it's um, not going to be as relentlessly warm in the in, say, the weeks to come. But hey, I think you're on the downside. I mean, it clearly is um, or the upside. If you want to think about it getting uh, uh, generally warmer than normal, we've reached that halfway point. So I think things are, are pretty, pretty good. But my gosh, I can't believe how. And, you know, I found a number of couple of clear hours. I looked at, you know, uh, you know, Winnipeg is, is, you know, we have that cold, crisp, uh, you know, uh, Siberian air and it's, it's dry air, but not this year. It's been very, very moist because it's not been very, very, very cold at all. So my sense, it's been very uncharacteristic, the kind of winter that you've had, but uh, I'm not sure whether people are liking it. Clear hours. I mean, I, you're famous for your number of clear hours in the wintertime, dry, cold, clear. I could count the number of clear hours in January on my fingers. And, and some of those, most of those occurred at night. And who's around to look at those clear skies? But uh, so it's really been, there's always been something in the air, moisture in the air, but not so much on the ground. David Phillips with Environment Canada. We'll have to leave it there. We thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye now. David Phillips is Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada. And regarding that, uh, he mentioned Siberia. One of our listeners, Malko, pointed out how cold it is. What did he say? In Yakutsk, Siberia, it was uh, minus 50 yesterday. It's minus 44 right now at 10.30 p.m. And that air is potentially... Could be coming here. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing above minus 40 for them for the next 10 days. Well, and listening to him saying that it should be about average for the next month or so, that's good because last winter we got – the year started with just a relentless pounding of awful driving conditions. And then February we saw some of the coldest temperatures of the season right in the middle of the month. Uh, it was just brutal cold. Uh, like I, I remember going for a walk on a Friday night. I put – my heaviest clothes on and I was outside for 10 minutes and I gave up. I'm like, no, can't do it. Can't do it. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. We are asking you to tell us a story about being a chauffeur or perhaps requiring the services of a chauffeur in your life after Greg had to shuttle his Boys around this weekend, we had some fun chatting about that just after 6.45, and I relayed a story about how when I was like maybe 25 years old, 
Uh, on a Saturday night, was drunk in Osborne Village, uh, had no money to get a cab or anything, had to get home to Transcona. Buses had stopped running. So what did I do? I called my dad. <laughs> dad, can you come get me? <laughs> 2.30 in the morning. At least you knew where you were. Yeah. So <laughs> unlike John on the text line, Brett McGarry, you knew where you were. John wasn't exactly certain. Uh, this is a follow-up on Brett's story. Uh, my dad was always there to pick me up too. One night when I was 18 or 19, my then-girlfriend invited me to her work Christmas party had an open bar. I was still new to adult beverages and did not know the concept of a limit. That night, I remember having at least seven shots of tequila with no chaser, plus whatever else I consumed. I was dropped off by a friend with no issue, but it was about five minutes from my place. I had just moved there a month ago and was wandering inebriated in a new area, Brett. That was by Grant Park Mall, says John, and he got completely lost. John says, I called my dad, freaked out, and he told me to just read the nearest street sign. When I did, he sighed and told me I was one street over from home. Nevertheless, he came and got me, and we never spoke of it again. Bravo. Well done, uh, John, and well done to John's dad. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868. We've got two tickets for the Manitoba Moose versus the Iowa Wild at Canada Life Centre on Friday, February 17th. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Some hip-hop hooray. On a Monday morning, coming up after Global News at 8 o'clock, we've been talking about the mild weather this morning. We spoke to David Phillips from Environment Canada last half hour. Next half hour, we're going to head to the world's largest snow maze, the home of the world's largest snow maze, to find out if these mild temperatures are helping or hindering attractions like the snow maze, which is set to, I believe the construction has begun and they're hoping to open by the end of the month. Well, here we go. We were talking about this last week, the idea that it's winter, six months of the year here, but we're halfway through January and one of the top, one of the top attractions that embraces winter isn't even open yet because there's so much preparation to do. And so the the window of opportunity for them is, is smaller than most people imagine. Okay, so we'll get an update on that at 8.05. And we've got Camera Poitras' Monday Jets commentary coming up at 7.55. Right now we want to talk about going out to eat for a couple of things. One, how busy they seem to be. And two, the, the rising cost. Because Saturday, I mentioned earlier that I went bowling with some friends at uh, Polo Park Bowling on Saturday afternoon. And when we were done, we decided let's go get a bite to eat. So we tried one place. It was full uh, we try. We called three other places, all full, and we finally found a spot that had room for us. We, there were six of us uh, at that point. There were eight to begin with, but after we called the other three places, two people said, "That's it. I'm out of here." Um, but uh, so we, it was. It, it was tough to find a spot. So that's a. But b, the price blew me off my seat almost because I just had a chicken sandwich and fries. It was a fancy chicken sandwich, don't get me wrong. It wasn't for Fried Chicken Fest or anything. It was just on their menu. But uh, it was 25 bucks for a chicken sandwich and fries. And then I subs- substituted the fries for poutine, so that was another $3. So on I top paid- of that. Yeah, so I paid $28 for a chicken sandwich and poutine. And I thought, wow, wow, 
Well, one of the the things when winning a restaurant that's so critical, Brett, is staying on top of your food cost. And our next guest owns and operates the Silver Heights restaurant. The Heights opened its doors in June of 1957. The founder, former cabbie Anthony Sawicki Sr. And this is from their website, Brett. His operating philosophy was simple. Provide your guests with quick and friendly service and to serve fresh, delicious, quality food, and here's the key, at a reasonable price and to keep it that way. Keeping that way has to be a challenge right now. Tony Sawicki joins us now. Good morning, Tony. Thanks for uh, making time for us. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? We're doing really well. And, and so with all that we laid out in mind here yesterday afternoon, I went for a grocery shop. And I think like most of us, I was conscious as I have ever been with regard to the pricing of certain things, doing my best to only get what we needed and to not overpay for items which were, were optional. But I had to draw the line at a four kilogram case of frozen chicken breast, which was priced at forty nine ninety nine. You need t- chicken, Tony. How are you dealing with these prices? Well, it's like uh, it's like whack a mole. Every time I turn my head, there's another price that's gone up, and it's everything. It's from chicken is one of them, but uh, you know, eggs, butter, lettuce, cauliflower, you name it, everything's going up, and that's been going on for the last. Seems like forever, but for the last year, it's just been right in our faces, you know. And it's 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 you know, I'm writing down right now that I could probably charge 25 bucks for a chicken sandwich right now. That uh, I'm going back to the menus after if I know that uh, he's been paying for that, right? So, <laughs> but it's it's weird. Like you know, what we right now we we price our menus out, we print them, and as soon as we're printing them, they're obsolete already. We can't get a break. Yeah, you mentioned the price of lettuce. I've been to a couple of places that are using spinach instead of lettuce now. Yeah. Um, but So restaurants, they're dealing with these record high prices on many items, yet every time I go out to eat, and I, I mean, I don't go, like, I, I go, uh, I don't go out super often to go out, but, but the last few times I've gone, like January I used to think is kind of a quiet month at restaurants, but they seem to be packed every single time. Well, January, yeah, used to be the slowest month of the year, and that's when everybody would take their holidays and everything. But I think in the last few years, because uh, December and November are so busy that people are now spreading it out into January. Like, we're still doing Christmas parties in January and in February, just so they can get in. Um, and, you know, with this last week, last Saturday night, we were full. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it's nice to see that we can actually keep going uh, and continue into uh, January and February when typically they are our slowest day month. So how do we square the circle, Tony? Uh, higher prices, uh, you're dealing with uh, what you're dealing with on your end. Consumers are are conceivably ha- having uh, fewer dollars to spread around at the end of the month, yet here we are. Uh, is your experience similar to your friends and colleagues and competition around the city in terms of how busy restaurants have been and how busy they seem to be right now? Well, yeah, it's, like you said, it's entertainment dollars for the consumers to come out. Um, and if, you know, of course, the you know, right prices go up, you, you think right away to increase your prices uh, just to stay afloat, but you'll place your prices self out of business. And so that's why everybody's around here. It's like, where can we draw, you know, where can we cut back on certain items on our menus that are costing too much to make? Um, you just have to be very creative with, you know, the spinach instead of the, the romaine or the spring mix instead of the iceberg. Everything is just, you just keep tweaking your menu 
just so you can still have the best quality, but at reasonable prices. And you don't have to change your menu and have that sticker shock when then people come in. I mean, people still, it's entertainment for them. They want to hang out. You know, they've had two years of being secluded. So I think that has a lot to do with why people are still coming out right now. They have that fear of not being able to. But, you know, at the end of the day, you still got to turn your lights on. You still got to uh, open, put that open sign on. So, and you, you can't do it at a loss. So it's one of those things there. You're, where do you go, right? One of the strategies I know some of the restaurants are employing is, uh, as you mentioned, you're going to the menu and maybe changing uh, the, the pricing, which is difficult to do at times uh, because people expect uh, things to be more or less the same every time they come in. But I think customers are understanding. But more features, more specials, because you can price those uh, based on today's price a lot better than you can your regular uh, menu items, Tony. Certainly. I mean, Rev, you got a special on your... And- written on your menu, you know, you got a $15 chicken sandwich. Well, you can't can't put it up to 18 bucks because it's a special. You know, it has to be very creative. Change it up. Maybe if something works and you put it on the menu for the next time. So that's how we do that. Now, I know that uh, we, we've I wanted to ask you about these food festivals. I know that Fried Chicken Fest is on, and uh, sometimes you participate in these. Uh, I don't think, think you're in this one, but we've got Potato Week coming up. We've got La Poutine Week coming up. Um, when the, these things happen, uh, obviously, sometimes they get more people in the door, but I would imagine with the supplies that you would need to bring in for that, with the rising cost of, of food, like at, at what does that sort of... Uh, alter your whether or not you want to participate and stuff like that? Well, for sure. I mean, uh, right now I think uh, flour, right? Flour, wheat, all that. that uh, the gravy is kind of tough to make right now, they are saying. But uh, we are, we're going to be in the poutine week. Well, we do the basics, the poutine week, the, the burger week. Uh, the, I guess that's, that's the, the two big ones that we do. We missed the cutoff on uh, potato week because we were trying to think of an idea. <laughs> But yeah, you know, when you when you create those, you got to make sure that you can actually put them on your menu or, or buy them, right? It's uh, you can have the best poutine out there, and then all of a sudden you put it in, you can't get that. And now you're, you're you're hooped. Gravy shortage. Before we let you go, I've, I've heard rumors of a pending gravy shortage on on the on the powdered side. Have you, you heard the rumors of this, Tony? Yeah, we make our own, but. Uh, uh, that's what I've been hearing on the uh, people talking about it. I haven't seen it yet, um, but I haven't looked for it yet either. All right, Tony Sawicki, we appreciate you very much. Uh, we don't work as closely uh, to the heights as we used to, so we're yeah. not in there as often as we'd like to be. 2169 Portage Avenue, it's an institution in this community. We always appreciate catching up with you. Yeah, you too, Joan. Thank you very much. And hey, by the way, that uh, apple, was it an apple fritter burger you made a couple years ago for the Burger yeah. Week? Yeah. That, that you know, I, I was skeptical. Uh, I thought, this is creative, but I don't know about this. But it was one of the best burgers I've ever had. So good oh, nice. kudos well, to you guys for your creativity. <laughs> so we keep trying. Keep trying. All right. Tony Swicky joining us live from the Heights, Silver Heights Restaurant. Once again, 2169 Portage Avenue. Always have a great time when I go to the Heights. It's like, uh, it's one of those places, you know, we always talk about the the cheers thing, the where everybody knows your name, but when you do, you walk in and it's super comfortable and that's why people like to hang out there. Indeed. Well said. It is a comfy spot for a bite and a beer. As we speak, 
On this, the 16th day of January 2023, the Winnipeg Jets are in sole possession of first place in not only the Central Division, but also first place in the Western Conference. Winners of eight of their past nine games, the Jets sit tied with Carolina and Tirana for third in the overall NHL standings. And they sort of strutted like Stephen Piercy from Rat into first place last <laughs> night. Uh, the Jets embark on a five-game road trip beginning tomorrow night in Montreal and features a matchup with the aforementioned Maple Leafs Thursday night. Co-host of Jets at Noon and host of the Jim Toth Show. We are joined now by, you guessed it, Jim Toth. Good morning, Jimbo. Wow, you guys are on it today. It's a metal, hair metal Monday, it sounds like, which is what everybody needs at this point. Good morning, gentlemen. Well done. And it's big R, big A, double big T, not just double Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. It's You'll all caps. It's all caps. There, yeah. All right, all right. It's all, it's all good in the hood. How is, it? How is everybody? Yeah, we're doing really well. Uh, you know, uh, Brett's a little sore from his uh, bowling excursion on Saturday. <laughs> so Getting old sucks. <laughs> I heard and I can attest to that. I don't know why, Brett. Even when I'm working out and in programs and for months, I'll I'll go bowling maybe once every three years. I love bowling. I want to go more. But the next day, it's like I just, I don't know, was I in a car accident? My body is so sore. (laughs) Well, we'll exchange notes uh, some other time on getting old. Uh, I want to talk about the jet season here because this is exactly how you saw it going, right, Jim? Well, to be honest with you, I did say that they would be a top three team in their division when many teams, uh, many people were telling me they're either not going to make the playoffs or they'll be fighting for one in a wild card. But I did not see this at all. No, I don't want to say that. Um, But I did think this roster last year was a top 10 roster in the National Hockey League, and I took heat for that because they obviously didn't perform like one and they didn't get into the playoffs. And and so that uh, I'll wear. But the fact that they barely changed this roster, stuck with the core, um, hired the right coach to sort of get everybody on the same page. I did not see this all working out this well. I thought they would be second or third in the division fighting with Dallas, and I thought Colorado would be leading the way, which they are ninth in the Western Conference right now. But So full credit to them. I did not see a first place in the middle of January, either in the Western Conference or their division for the Winnipeg Jets. All right, kudos to you on the honesty, Jim. Uh, over the past week, the Jets have had anywhere from the 31st to the 21st easiest strength of schedule for the second half of the season. I feel like it might be dangerous as a fan to get excited about that, yet I find myself paying attention to this. The fact that the the Jets have really taken care of their most difficult opponents early on in this season. Well, you know, we talked about the schedule at the start because we remember the month of October and the contenders that were coming in and how busy it was and then November was really busy. Um, and then December was those 16 games in 30 days, Greg. But I give this team full credit. And Cam and I threw this around at the start of the year, right out of training camp on Jets at noon. I said, I know a lot of people are fearing this first month of the schedule. But the flip side of that is get into it. Like, like start playing teams that, that matter. Start playing teams that did well last year and that, that are bringing something. Because this is a team that has to be in a fight. I find that much like yesterday's game when they play Arizona, Although they've had pockets where they dominated that game, they still only won 2-1. This is a team that, for whatever reason, needed some adversity to face right out of the gate and, and sort of get their, their skates underneath them. I think the strength of schedule has really helped this team stay in the fight, stay focused, and get to where they are today. 
Uh, I'm wondering if maybe a softer schedule against some non-contenders and you let some points slip away. I kind of look back at that first month and go, it's great this first half of the season that they saw who they saw. Now the key is with this easier schedule, and there's no easy games, but this easier schedule compared to what they played, I think this is the, the mental aspect of the game to stay focused, get better than what you did in that first half, but also remain focused on the system and the style that got you to where you have 59 points in 44 games. So we will touch on the NFL playoffs in a moment, but now former BC Lions quarterback Nathan Rourke announced over the weekend he was signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So is this a good thing for Canadians playing football? Well, you know, immediately it is not because Nathan Rourke sold tickets. Nathan Rourke being a Canadian quarterback and just not only being um, the passport that he has as a Canadian, but the, the style of play he had and how good he was the league needs players like that in it. So immediately, this is a huge loss for the CFL. He got a lot of people watching the league, talking about the league, and watching BC Lions games again. But big picture, this is a great story for the CFL. This is another story where a guy came to a league, and and if he's successful down there, which I think he will be for a number of years, and maybe not starting quarterback, but playing in the league and around and coming off the bench, People are going to say he came from the BC Lions. People still talk about Anumata, the the University of Manitoba Bisons, who signed a big deal in place for the New Orleans Saints. And every time he gets a sack in the league or, or two sacks in a game, somebody says he's from the University of Manitoba. And, and, and so this will be talked about for the CFL. If he comes in, Trevor Lawrence is there, of course. And if he gets injured and, and gets some playing time, I think this will be good that, hey, Nathan Rourke's a Canadian and he's in the National Football League. And, and I think anytime you can get eyeballs on the CFL because you produce some really good talent that went down south, it's good. But immediately, this is a massive loss. This is a guy that could have won the MOP this year and he's gone after one season of starting in the CFL. So big picture, great story and great for Can- Can- CFL and Canadians. But uh, for the immediate in this upcoming season, um, it's a terrible loss of talent that's gone down south. Now, if you're a Bomber fan, though, this is great news because the path just got easier to another Grey Cup. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, Jim. Uh, kudos to the NFL on their uh, broadcasts on the Canadian networks uh, over the weekend. They've really been highlighting some of the Canadian talent that is shining in the National Football League, highlighting individual players and the different teams that they play for and their strengths and, and their accomplishments. So that's that's kind of cool. Uh, but we want to shift to the playoffs. We don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, Jim. We're not big you know, uh, sports heads over here on the start here, but Five games over the weekend, one more tonight. So far, Wild Card Weekend has been exactly that. The aforementioned Jaguars pulled off the third largest playoff comeback ever. The Dolphins almost pu- pulled off an upset against the Bills. An incredible defensive play clinch- clinches the win for the Bengals over the Ravens last night. And to the chagrin of thousands of Manitoba Vikings fans, the Purple People Eaters are out again and we send our condolences out to our own Christian O'Mel and poor Bud poor 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 Bud Grant oh that's a shame but I'm a Bears fan so it is actually a shame for Manitobans um, it, it is disappointing for the Minnesota Vikings I actually felt bad for Vikings fans yesterday because the Vikings are one of those teams that have been close and good for a number of years and they just can't get over the hump so 
Um, it was a great weekend, though. Wild card weekend. We were saying last night at the Jets game was we were uh, in the intermission catching some scores. A lot of people were talking about, is there any other sport that it's more appropriately named the first round of the playoffs than wild card weekend? Because it's wild. I mean, you look at the Jaguars being down 27 nothing coming back. That was wild. You look at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, at home to the Giants, a team they beat by three just a couple of weeks ago, losing, um, and, and the fashion they lost it with Kirk Cousins. Tonight's going to be wild, guys. Like um, Derek Taylor was telling me, he doesn't think anybody will be interested in this game. Well, there'll be interest, but won't be a very good game. I, I don't know. I think Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys have to win this game. They have to get past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but if you're Tom Brady and the box at home, that's going to be tough. And then the Brady legend too, does he go one and done in this year's playoffs? So I love wild card weekend, but I also, if you're a gambling person or, or have your favorite team, I, I, it's stressful. That's why I'm okay with the bear season guys. They weren't even close. So I didn't have to go through any of the stress, but I loved watching all the wild action. And T you mentioned tonight's game TV ratings. We understand are expected to be tremendous for tonight's game between the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Brady and the, the Bucks. Are you going to be watching that one then? I believe so. I'll see what the family says because they're always like more sports when there's not a Jets game. And I'm like, you betcha because I'm a sports <laughs> guy. But um, yeah, I'll be turning this in for sure, uh, guys. And I'm with you uh, uh, because I, I've been watching some stats. I'm just trying to remember, but a couple months ago, I saw 47 of the top 50 shows in a six month period were sports. And that was back in September. I just saw a new stat last week that said of the 100 most watched shows in the past calendar year, 94 of them were sporting events and the NFL was a massive part of that. So I know there's more options in streaming that dilute what people watch on TV, but live sports and tonight's game is proving once again, that it is by far the most watched aspect on network television. And I would expect tonight's game with Dallas involved with Tom Brady involved to be, have a massive viewership. Big T, big O, another big T, capital H, Jim Toth joining us here on the start. We look forward to Jets at noon, 12 o'clock. So aptly uh, put in the schedule and the aptly named uh, Jim Toth show from one till three. Thanks, partner. Sometimes the Toth is bigger than normal, but that's what the treadmill's for. So thanks for having me, gentlemen. Enjoy your week and enjoy the game tonight. (laughs) Jim Toth joining us live on 680 CJOB. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. In our next segment, we have tickets to give away for the Manitoba Moose versus the Iowa Wild at Canada Life Centre on Friday, February 17th. We're asking you to tell us a story about being a chauffeur, whether it's, you know, you're shuttling your kids around or you had to go pick up one of your friends who had too much to drink, or maybe you needed the chauffeur. Like I once, maybe twice in my life, have had to call my dad to come pick me up because I was somewhere in the city and had too much to drink and had to get home safely. You did the right thing, though, Brett. You took your dad up on his offer to always be there, to always pick up the phone, to always come and pick you up and do so without judgment. At least that's the speech I give my kids right now. It was also just too cheap to get a cab. Um, but 204-780-6868, tell us a story for a chance to win. We were, at this time, going to talk about this headline at globalnews.ca. Some firms are offering unlimited time off for employees. Will it work? But we'll do that at 9.35 now because, Mr. Mackling, um, hey, we've been without 
in-studio visitors for the most part for the past three years at 680 CJOB. But one of our regular visitors back in our Polo Park studio days was our next guest. Is our next guest who just happened to be hanging around the building? Yeah, and uh, enticing us with a four-legged friend uh, making a visit to our friends down the hall at Global Television. Leland Gordon is general manager of City of Winnipeg Animal Services, and his furry friend comet are here leland good morning good morning how are you doing these days good i'm, I'm nice it's very nice to see your team again and we have this beautiful dog comet so we were down down the hall and we're grateful that you had us on featuring this dog for adoption so i'll talk about comet real quick please do comet is a uh, shepherd mix about two years old was an unlicensed stray running the streets of winnipeg we've had him since november he uh loves kids he loves cats he dislikes some dogs he likes some other dogs so he's been with us for a while. And of course, as part of our, his adoption, he comes spayed and neutered, vaccinated, licensed. And so if people want to see pictures of Comet, go to the city of Winnipeg's website, winnipeg.ca, go into the animal services section, or you can like Winnipeg Animal Services on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Comet's one of the happiest dogs I've ever met. He's just bouncing around, looks so happy. And I, I always wonder for in organizations like yours, how do you and your team not form super attachments to these dogs, like not want to take them all home with you. Well, we do, especially when, when they're with us for a while, right? And um, and so we do our best not to get attached, but we also do as much as we can, our, ta- our team of staff and volunteers, to help these dogs get adopted. Um, and we have that great doggy date program, which you may have heard of. And what a doggy date is, is a way the community can actually help us. And you can check a dog out like a library book at Animal Services. So the doggy date program is, is for people who maybe want to adopt a dog. They can take the dog out for a day. Um, a weekend or a week. They could take the dog to the Forks, Acidamoyne Park. They could take the dog to work. We don't care, right? Just have fun with the dog. But it's also for people who maybe don't want a dog but still want to help homeless animals um, and just again, take that dog out. So that's the Doggy Date program. If you're interested in adopting Comet or a Doggy Date program, just come down to Winnipeg Animal Services. We're at uh, Logan and McPhillips, 1057 Logan. So animals like Comet, you mentioned how he came to you specifically, unlicensed, roaming around, couldn't reconnect him to his family, I presume. Uh, How do animals come to you otherwise? Yeah, they're mostly strays off the streets of Winnipeg. Sometimes people don't want their dog anymore and they want a better life for their dog. So we don't want to make people feel bad for taking dogs to shelters because they want a better life for that dog. But again, people need to think long and hard before you add a dog to your family. And there there is a small segment of our society that, that doesn't, unfortunately. And then shelters and rescue see those dogs. We just got a rescue cat. Uh, one of my boys has been dying for a cat forever. And then Jackie and I gave in and, and we're really glad that we did. But what we were most impressed by was the process that the shelter went through in order to make sure that this just wasn't a passing thing for us, that we were going to be a suitable home for this cat. And I was very impressed with that. Do you go through a similar screening process? The, all shelters and rescues have screening processes. And so the, the questions people need to ask themselves are, do I have a stable household to add a pet? Um, am I financially able to take care of myself and the expenses of the veterinary expenses with a dog and cat? And am, am I made, and I'm ready 
ready to make a lifelong commitment to that pet. You know, these dogs and cats can live 10, 15, 17 years. Um, so if you answer yes to all those questions, then adopt your next pet um, from an animal shelter or rescue or come and adopt, of course, Comet uh, from Animal Services. I think many, I would, I would guess most people who adopt pets want to do so responsibly, but not everybody who ends up with a dog or a cat is a responsible pet owner. What are, so like, I guess what, what are some, some problematic things that you might deal with when it comes to irresponsible pet? Well, owners? the things in the community are dogs and cats running at large, right? That's a, that's a common complaint we get. So people need to ensure if you have a dog or cat, don't let your dog or cat run the neighborhood, you know, be a responsible pet owner, follow the responsible pet ownership bylaw. And of course, spay and neuter your pets. There's enough dogs and cats out there and there are low income resources that the city of Winnipeg helps fund that are available through the Winnipeg Humane Society and Animal Services. So people need to spay and neuter, license. The easiest way to license is call through on one. They can do it over the phone with a credit card for dogs and cats. Or if you want to see some cute doggies and give them some treats, making it that's an excuse to come to Animal Services. You can pay your license at the front counter and then you can ask, hey, can I go see the dogs while I'm here? And we actually have treat bins that are hanging on each kennel where the visitors can reach up into the treat pin and then give these dogs. Um, and you can see the dogs that you're supporting. When you license your pet, the funds that are generated by the animal services go to help dogs like Comden our facility. Leland, has there been a change of perception with regard to animal services over the years? Because when I was a kid, it was the pound. Mm -hmm. And you didn't want to go to the pound uh, because it felt sort of like a jail for animals. Mm -hmm. And so there was a sense that it was nece wasn't necessarily a friendly place uh, to everyone. It was was sort of a, a closed, closed door uh, shop, so to speak. That's changed, hasn't it? Well, absolutely. And if you want to, and our team of staff and volunteers have really done a great job over the years changing that perception with optics of how animal services is perceived in our community. And I'll just tell people, if you if you had a bad experience with animal services in the past and you see want to see what we're doing now, if you like Winnipeg Animal Services on Facebook and Instagram, you're going to see the pictures of the things that we're doing out in the community um, or just come visit and, and ask to say hi to the dogs. Um, but we go out to the, we do community events, we do um, work like this. In other words, going to the, working with our friends in the media to promote adoption and promote responsible pet ownership. And we also work longer with dogs that aren't, that might have some issues, right? Uh, in the olden days, we would euthanize, you know, a lot of animals. It was very sad. Nowadays, it's very rare that we euthanize a dog. It's very sad. And of course, the only ones we will be the ones that are going to kill somebody, right? And so we work long and hard. In the olden days, it was four to 500 a year. Now we're down to 10 to 20 a year. So I think that's something that our residents uh, in the community can be proud of. Um, but again, we do as much. We just had a dog named Hank get adopted um, that was in our facility for six months. And he had some issues and we found the perfect match for him, a person who lives in Oak Bank. We, we labeled Hank our most unwanted dog. And if you, you can see that on our social media, we made a cute old, you know, a 1800 uh, style poster. Instead of saying <laughs> most wanted, it said most unwanted. And it really triggered lots of people in our community. And guess what happened after that? Hank got adopted, right? Good so for those experienced pet owners out there who can adopt a dog that does have some issues, if you go to animal services, walk in and say, listen, I'm a really experienced pet owner. I have a stable home. I have financial resources to care for a dog. Who are the dogs who have been here the longest? Which dogs need the most help? And we love, and, and you can adopt a dog. And of course, for those people who don't have a lot of experience, we have happy-go-lucky dogs that like everything. And those are the dogs that get adopted the quickest. 
Leland Gordon, GM of City of Winnipeg Animal Services, and his furry friend, Comet. Thank you very much for the surprise visit, Leland. Thanks for having us. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We're asking you about chauffeuring stories, like times where you, you know, funny times where you had to chauffeur somebody around, or maybe you required a chauffeur because you found yourself in a goofy situation. Uh, like, listen to this from Mike. When I was 16, I started dating this girl, taking her to different places. Then one day she asked me to take her to her boyfriend's place. <laughs> I did, but I dropped her after that. Some communication was lacking, <laughs> I suggest, Mike, and it sounds like you did the right thing. You shared a funny story that I wanted to be shared with our audience here uh, because it had to do with, what do you call it? The, the big? The big wankin' A. The Cinnaboy <laughs> Gordon Motor Hotel, Mears Fun Club or Pub Club? I don't know Pub what they Club, call it. Yeah. I never called it Mears. It was just the A. Yeah. Spent far too much time there in the late 80s, early 90s, but it did pay off. The Saturday night prior to the Grey Cup, 1990, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and BC, I missed last call at the beer store and was, uh, I don't know why I was in the parking lot. I was probably looking to make sure my friends uh, had all uh, gotten out of there safely. And a couple of guys flagged me down and asked me if I could give them a ride because their vehicle wouldn't start. I said, absolutely. It was cold. It was cold that weekend, cold and early into the week. Anyway, I ended up driving them from St. James over to Fleet Street, I think it is, over by Grant Park Mall. Yeah. They told me to wait. They ran to the house. They came back with a 2-4 of kokanee, <laughs> saying that they had been running a social and that there was some beer left over and they wanted to thank me for my kindness. And uh, 24 cold kokanee found its way into my vehicle and uh, I ended up with beer for the Grey Cup the next day because back in 1990, the cold beer stores were not open oh, yeah. on Sundays. Oh, boy. You had the, the all-important supplies. Well, that's a great story, man. <laughs> the big A. Uh, but our winner is John who says, uh, my story is somewhat related to Brett's because I was talking about how I had to call my dad to come pick me up because I was drunk in Osborne Village and had no money to get home uh, to Transcona and the buses had stopped running because it was 2.30 in the morning. So John says, my dad was always there to pick me up too. One night when I was 18 or 19, my then-girlfriend invited me to her work's Christmas party, which had an open bar. I was still new to adult beverages and did not know the conception of a limit. That night, I remember having at least seven shots of tequila with no chaser, plus whatever else I consumed. I was dropped off by a friend with no issue, but it was about five minutes from my place. I just moved there a month or two ago, wandering inebriated in a new area by Grand Park Mall. I got completely lost. I called my dad, freaked out. He told me to just read the nearest street sign. When I did, he sighed and told me I was... <laughs> One street over from home. <laughs> Nevertheless, he still came and got me, and we never spoke of it again. Great story. Reminds me of the time my brother was visiting me in Calgary, was buzzing at 1.30. He was on a business trip, buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. Finally, phoned me on my cell phone. Are you going to let me in or not? I'm like, well, where are you? He gives me the address. I go, you're across str the street, you moron. <laughs> Uh, coming up in sports, a golden... Oh, and by the way, John gets Manitoba Moose tickets versus the Iowa Wild, Canada Life Centre, Friday, February 17th.